How to Create a Glitch, Monologues. Season 2. Chapter 4. This is the fourth episode of Season 2 of How to Create a Glitch in the Matrix Monologues. In this episode, I'll be talking about three separate topics that are somewhat loosely connected. The first topic I'd like to talk about is in regard to narrative and archetypal forms and tension and symbolic forms, and essentially the idea that I'd like to express is that every archetype is embedded in a narrative, and through that narrative, through the tension created by that narrative attains through the apotheosis of the archetype. A particular symbolic form and the qualities of that symbolic form are that it essentially has the highest level of tension, or with which corresponds to the specific behaviors underlying the archetype. So, in other words, every archetype is embedded in a narrative form, and that narrative form manifests the transformation of the archetype into a symbolic form, which generally occurs at the climax of the narrative, or the highest tension point created by the narrative. Now that tension is reflective of the underlying social tension created by the juxtaposition of a number of archetypes what I'll call the archetypal constellation of a particular narrative. But all of the archetypes are embedded in the narrative and manifest through the narrative and achieve apotheosis or hubris through the narrative, thereby becoming a symbolic form. Now, I also mentioned how the symbolic has the highest level of tension corresponding to the behavior underlying the archetype. And the reason for that is because symbolic forms are oriented symbols, which is to say that they are dialectical in nature and as their dialectical nature, that they manifest the highest level of tension corresponding to the behaviors underlying the archetype. That tension is preserved in the symbolic apotheosis of the archetype, which is created by the narrative. Now, the second idea I'd like to express is the idea corresponding to archetypal constellations and gateways. And specifically, in the past, I mentioned how individuals can form archetypal gateways, which essentially means that there is some commonality, or some common feeling created by an archetypal characteristic shared by two individuals. And this archetypal gateway causes the intermingling of the underlying subconscious behaviors and unconscious behaviors of those two individuals. Their thoughts and their feelings in the moment are passed between them. Now, archetypal gateways are also of the form that they create a transformation, according to a specific narrative of an archetypal constellation from one individual to another. So essentially, what I'm saying is an archetypal gateway transmits one individual's archetypal constellation to another individual through the gateway created by the commonality. What this means is, for example, if two individuals have an archetypal gateway, there's going to be some confluence of their behaviors and some convergence of their behaviors and their thought processes and their feelings. But so too, will their corresponding archetypal constellations to attach themselves, so to speak, to each other's individual social networks. So, what this means, for example, is, let's say, individual A has a specific set of archetypes which are oriented around that individual through the narrative. The individual B also has a number of individual archetypes arrayed around them, according to the narrative. When there is union between them, those constellations are going to transmit from one person to the other. So essentially there's a substitution of each individual's archetypal constellation overlaid upon the other individual's archetypal constellation. 
And what this means is there's going to be convergence between the archetypal forms of one constellation and the archetypal forms of another constellation. There's going to be some convergence between them. Now, this convergence might only be evolutionary, or it might be gradual, but it is certainly an observable effect in the course of one's experience. So, the third idea I'd like to express is a bit more complicated and will require discussion of the topics of one of the earlier podcasts in relation to suppositional thought. To start off, I talked about how suppositional thought changes the direction of causation creates an anthropic subjectivity that becomes a precondition or prerequisite for the continued observation of reality from one moment to the next. And through that anthropic subjectivity, essentially it shapes being around itself from one moment to the next. I'd like to express what this podcast how that anthropic subjectivity interacts with the existence of objects of significance to the individual actor. So just as the subjectivity of the individual becomes anthropic or central to or preconditioned to the transition from one moment to the next, so too do objects of significance become prerequisites for the continued transition of that consciousness from one moment to the next. So, for example, let's say an individual holds an object of particular significance to them in their hand. That means that, whatever that object represents, it has some sort of signification in the mind of the individual now because that individual possesses within their mind some association, which gives the object significance. The structure of that object essentially becomes important to the extent that it is reflected in the substance of the ideal, which exists in the mind of the individual. So, what this means is that the individual's consciousness can only transition from one moment to another, in which that object carries the required qualities that reflect in the ideal contained in the mind of the individual. So, the memories or representations of that object within the mind of the individual become central to or prerequisites for the transition of the anthropic subjectivity from one moment to the next. So essentially, what this means is the object becomes a sieve of probability because from if the object wasn't there or didn't have significance, the individual would be free to transit from one to any number of different realities from one moment to the next. But because the object possesses significance to the individual because it has an ideal form which exists in the mind of the individual, that object then becomes a precondition or whatever qualities it possesses in the subjectivity become a precondition for the continued observation of that object through the anthropic subjectivity from one moment to the next. So essentially, what I'm saying is the consciousness of the individual can only transit to a certain limited set of universes in which that object of significance is present and in the same location as it was in the previous moment. It becomes a sieve of the subjectivity of the individual. Now from this idea, we can also see that any object or anything with structure which becomes emotionally significant to an individual becomes a conduit for the experience of that individual because it directs the consciousness or subjectivity of that individual from one moment to the next, from one reality to the next. Now, there's another point as well, which is that the structure of the object of significance or its qualities, if it has structure, will transition from the individual subjectivity into the social organization or structure of the social organization in which the individual finds themselves. And the reason for this is that once the mind of the individual becomes attached or associated with the given object of significance or the ideal of significance in their mind that shapes the development of their involvement in the social organization which they find themselves in. Finally, 
we can say that this reality that we seem to inhabit in the moment is not, in fact, a reality of substance at all, but is rather a nexus of travel into a variety of distinct universes. It is the nexus point between all of the many universes of existence. And I say this because essentially what I'm saying is every object in this universe in its proximity to it to us represents a conduit of our experience because as it becomes significant to us, it manages our transition from one reality to the next. Finally, what does that mean about our archetypal constellation? Well, essentially what it means is our archetypal constellation is simply a set number of distinct travelers who pass through each moment from one to the next into the particular reality that we do out of many and beyond, many on an almost infinite number of possible realities from one moment to the next. They are our travel companions from one moment to the next and the constants or the physical constants that we can describe through physics or mathematics of this particular observed reality are in fact nothing more or less than manifestations of the condition of having so many people traveling together from one universe to the next. So, the archetypal constellation of which we find ourselves in the limits, the universes that we could travel to and the objects of significance to us to limit within the confines of those universes, the particular universe that we will travel to. So, the three-dimensional reality that we seem to inhabit is simply a reflection of the number and form of individuals, which are part of our archetypal constellation. Anyway, thank you. Those are the ideas I'd like to express with this podcast. I hope you'll listen, subscribe and like.